No one should have heard him because it was late at night in winter in downtown St. Paul, Minnesota, where every evening at 5.30, a neutron bomb extinguishes all human life, leaving only the architecture rising irrelevant and oddly cheerful out of the ragged patches of dirty snow washed silver by the pale commuter moon that floats up there silent and mortared. There should have been no one to notice, let alone complain, of the one boisterous but innocuous drunk arcing a thin stream of urine against the wall of the Minnesota Public Radio headquarters and challenging long-gone Garrison Keeler to a fist fight. Golden and glittering with the hiss of ammonia, his piss is a venomous arrow of yellow munched at the side of a slumbering giant, impervious and enthroned in canyons of locally quarried St. Peter sandstone. In fact, it's only the sand and stones themselves that would have witnessed it if the small figure of puny resistance in mud-spattered snowmobile pants hadn't kept bellowing at nothing and nobody around except the two policemen down the block who were irritable about the administrative injustice they have endured all week, which is only half over, the injustice which has left them this empty sector to cruise from 1 to 5 a.m. No criminals, not even a crackhead, no arrests, just a chance to catch up on their data entry. Naturally, when they hear a drunken ball like that of a wounded ox disturbing their sullen peace, they're on it like flakes of soot on frozen slush. You can't blame the cops for hoping for action. Someone to resist rest just a little bit, just enough for a scuffle, an amusing scuffle to relate back at the shop, something, anything to get the adrenaline up, to shake off the starchy, sweet, and caffeine crash days that is threatening to swallow the next 25 years, only to spit them out, obese and confused, on the flat green shores of a golf course near the cabin, up the lake, at the end of the road. So imagine their disappointment when it's only Jimmy, who everyone knows is harmless and instantly acquiescent if you have his password. Done pissing, he's still holding his cock in his hands while he turns around to face the squad, grinning. He's apparently under the impression that his limp dick is a gun, and he points it at the two cops, one of whom he went to community college with for a half a year back in 93. Jimmy's ready. He's ready to commit suicide by cop down and blaze of gunfire and one last incredibly well thought out exit line before he fires one last time one glorious brave shot of truth to power too bad for this scenario he not only went to school with one of them his caucasian skin has encased him in a bulletproof vest of prior assumption so thick that the cops don't even bother to draw their guns when he shouts hey here's the news from lake fuck you gesture, which in the movie version he assumed would be his final statement, gets only a mild chuff of amusement from the cops. Drunks can be funny as hell quite often, and Jimmy doesn't even make it into the final four, so they just say, come on, James, detox, warm bed, knowing that if you call him James, he will instantly obey. James being the word that had always meant to him that the game was over. What they don't know is they hustle off their smelly, muttering bundle with its blob of shock white stomach flesh wobbling out over his polyurethane elasticized snow pants, is that Jimmy used to be a dancer. So intent was he on dancing that he quit Harding Knight's varsity hockey for tap lessons and heard the calls of Baggett as nothing but the sounds of slow traffic he was passing by. 
they don't know that almost two decades or a quarter of a human life ago, Jimmy used to dance under my window on nights just like this, in the strange shadow blue of the moonlight on dirty snow, just like this. He'd goofily throw out his arms, swoon in circles, buckle his knees as if overcome, only to right himself at the last second, all angles and fluid grace that turned my blood to mercury, running in silver lines through my veins, my arteries, the fragile map of capillaries behind my knees. When he kicked his feet, even the sharp frozen clumps of snow turned colors, the way iridescence blooms on antique knives, malachite, lapis, aquamarine, sprays of turquoise dust. Youth doesn't see youth. But I can see him now. I wait for his inevitable collect call for a ride back to his state-funded apartment where the lights are never on. I can see Jimmy with his hand raised, imploring his slight and sinewed body taut as a bowstring, dancing under the moonlit mackerel clouds. Jimmy, so young. Jimmy, my beautiful, beautiful boy.